that we understand and, and, and learn from, from God's Word this morning. Dear God, you, your Word is, is more precious than anything we can ever touch on this earth, Lord. As we, as we turn to your Scripture this morning, we ask that you would send your Holy Spirit upon each of us, Lord. Fill this sanctuary with your Spirit. Remove all distractions. Allow us to clearly understand and and learn from your word, Lord. Take my words and, and let them fall and, and let it be be you and your word speaking this morning, Lord. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I'm sure we've all experienced uh, watching a, a series, a TV series, or Netflix or something where we're watching, sometimes binge-watching, for weeks or, or even months, or sometimes we'll put it in a couple of days, right, where it maybe was showing for months, and we get to know the characters, those we like, those we don't like, we kind of start having ideas of how we want it to end, and then we finally get to that, that ending point, that last one, and we're all excited about it, and it comes and it comes and we're we're getting to the end, and it's not turning out the way we exactly thought it would. And then those three dreadful words come up, to be continued. And we're like, ah, now we got to wait for, for the next series to come out, whether it be the next season or next year or until they make another one. Well, if we look at the Bible, and particularly the Gospels, if they end it with the Gospels, we'd left, be left kind of hanging, Right? We look all the way from, from Genesis, it always points to Jesus. All these prophecies are coming true. And when we get to the Gospels, Jesus comes on the scene. And again, all these prophecies are coming true, and we see the life of Jesus. We see then, we're getting towards the end. Everything he said was going to happen, happens. And he says, I'm going to get arrested, I'm going to die I'm going to be beaten, then I'm going to die. I'm going to go to the cross. Three days later, I'm going to rise, be risen from the dead. And I'm going to come back and show myself to you. All this happens, and he ascends to heaven. We'd be left kind of hanging if that's where, where, the, where Scripture ended. But Dr. Luke wrote the first sequel, which would be Luke's Gospel, but he continued on. He wrote, he wrote the second sequel, which would be Acts. And we're going to look at Acts this morning, Acts 1. And it's kind of the continuation. It's the, the Acts of the Apostles is what, what many call the book of Acts, Acts of the Apostles. I prefer to call it the Acts of the Holy Spirit. Because if you, if you read through Acts, it's always the Holy Spirit or the Lord doing things. Um, it's, it's not the men doing it. So over 2,000 years ago, with 100 or so men and women, God uses them as instruments, using his power, and using them as instruments to create the church we see today. You think about it, over 2,000 years ago, Christ church is what it is today. What else has, has withstood 2,000 years other than Christ church? And the thing is, it still goes on today, Christ church, Right? So basically, the book of Acts is still in process today. We are part of Christ's church. 
So we're going to be looking again at Acts verses 1 through 26, the whole chapter. You'll find it on page 909 in the Pew Bibles. And then our subject this morning will be Jesus is not done. We're to continue his work his way. So this is the establishment, you would say, of, of Christ's church. And the main theme, the big idea, or the, the aim, as I call it, um, of, of this teaching, what I, what I hope you get out of this as we go through it, is to understand that Jesus continues his work on earth through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the work of the Holy Spirit, in the lives of believers. So there's three things there. The work continues, and it's the Holy Spirit doing it, and it's through us, again, as instruments of, of Christ, in a sense. So by, by giving us that power, Jesus, what? He expects us to use it. He don't give us power to just set it aside. He expects something out of it. So again, back to the gospel. Jesus came in John 1. He came in the flesh, did the will of God, and on the cross he said what? He said it's finished. So his peace was done. And now it's up to us as ambassadors or, or representatives of Christ to carry on. And we are his body now. We are his body, his church, his instruments. We represent Christ. Our head, the head of Christ's church, is still Jesus Christ. Nobody is the head of the church. And again, we see that as we go through Acts. It's always Christ directing so we're going to, again, read all 26 verses, and then like we do each week, we'll, we'll kind of break down each verse by verse, but I'm going to kind of divide it up into two different uh, divisions here, or sections. We'll, uh, we'll read the whole thing, and then we'll talk about verses 1 through 8, and I call it Listen and Wait, and these, again, are Jesus' final words before his ascension into heaven, and then we'll look at verses 9 through 26. I call it, don't just stand there. And it's uh, Jesus, again, he ascends. He, the, the, we see the ascension, the promised return, the apostles obeying Jesus, going back and, <clears throat> excuse me, praying. So let's open up our Bibles and we'll, we'll read Acts chapter 1. In the first book, O Theopolis, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come, when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. 
And when he said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. And then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day journey away. And they entered, and when they had entered, they went up to the upper room where they were staying. Peter and John and James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus, and Simon the zealot, and Judas the son of James. All these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer, together with the women and Mary, mother of Jesus, and his brothers. In those days, Peter stood up among the brothers. The company of persons was all about 120. And said, brothers, the holy, the holy scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke beforehand by the mouth of David concerning Judas, who became a guide to those who, ar- who arrested Jesus. For he was numbered among us and was allotted his share in the ministry. Now this man acquired a field with the reward of his wickedness and falling headlong, he burst open in the middle and all his bowels gushed out. And it became known to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem so that the field was called in their language a kaldema and the field of blood. For it is written in the book of Psalms, may his camp become desolate and let there be no one to dwell in it. And let another take his office. So one of the men who have accompanied us during all this time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John until the day when he was taken up from us, one of these men must become with us a witness to his resurrection. And they put forward two. Joseph called Barsabas, and who was also called Justice and Matthias. And they prayed and said, You, Lord, you know the hearts of all. Show us which one of these you have chosen to take the place in this ministry and apostleship from which Judas turned aside to go to his own place. And they cast lots, and they cast lots for them, and the lot fell upon Matthias, and he was numbered with the eleven apostles. And this ends our reading this morning. So again, looking at the first eight verses here first, calling it Listen and Wait, we see Jesus' final words here before his ascension into heaven. And it starts out in the first book, O Theopolis, I've dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until, until he was taken up. And so we, we know that he's writing to Theopolis, and if we look at Luke's gospel, Luke 1.3, he 
he's writing to Theopolis as well. And Theopolis' friend or lover of God, uh, a Gentile Christian. Um, but God used that writing. He's writing to Theopolis. And what do we always say here is that the, the letters are not to us, but they're for us. So what, what can we get out of this, this letter that he wrote to Theopolis? Remember, he was inspired by God to write this, so there's something in there for us to get. But I look at the word there, began, with all that Jesus began to do. It tells me that it's not over, right? So, so as I was talking before, the acts of the apostles or the acts of the Holy Spirit, the building of Christ's church is not over. It's still happening with us today. So that word began tells us it's, it's a continuation going on. And then we go down to verse 3 and it talks about Jesus giving the convincing proofs. After his suffering and dying, he appears to them for the 40 days. And this is important because it gives them it gives them that assurance again that Jesus is there. And then that 40 days, you could imagine Jesus, this is the final push because after this, he's gone. But even a better counselor is coming, as Jesus had said before. So this final push for the 40 days. And then it says in verses 4 and 5, he tells them they're forbidden to do any work until this spirit comes upon them. This Holy Spirit from, from the Father comes upon them. And we can go to Romans 8.8, 8, and Paul puts it this way. He says, for those who are in the realm of flesh cannot please God. So it tells us without the power of the Holy Spirit, we cannot please God. We can't do it on our own. Um, and we think of the Holy Spirit as kind of our charge, our power source, in order to do the things for Jesus, in order to serve in his church and, and serve him. And anything needs a power source. We, we in the flesh need a power source. We need food, otherwise we're going to drop. Um, our cell phones. If you don't plug your cell phone in, the, the power source is going to run out and it's going to be useless. You know, our cars need gas. Well, we as Christians, as disciples for Christ, we need a power source and that power source is the Holy Spirit. And yes, we all get it when we come to Christ in faith. But we can also leave it dormant where it's not doing no good. And the way we charge our power source is by coming to worship God, by Sunday school, Bible studies, praying, reading scripture, fellowshipping. And that's how we keep this, this Holy Spirit, this power source, charged up and useful for God. He goes on in verses 6 and 7 and this is where the apostles, you see, they still kind of don't get it. They're asking about the restoration of Israel. And, and Jesus is kind of like, that's, that's not where we're going here, right? That's up to the Father. And he, and he, he basically answers them here in, in verse 8. He says, this is, this is where I'm going. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. And that, that could basically be the theme for all of, all of the uh, book of Acts, right? Because we're all empowered, and it goes back to that, that aim I talked about. It's Christ's church doing it Christ's way, right? So Christ makes the plan, Christ empowers us, and we are, we are just instruments to do what? To bring the gospel to the end of the earth. And this, nothing new, we, we can go all the way back to Joel, um, 
Joel 2. Joel 2 talks about how God will one day pour his spirit upon, upon his children. And he says, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved and have that spirit. So we got here then, in this, in this verse 8, we got the promises of the Holy Spirit, the command for, for when you get this Holy Spirit to bring it throughout to the end of the, end of the earth. We call it sometimes uh, the Great Commission of Acts. We got the Great Commission of, of the Gospels as well. And then, and then we see throughout Acts this, this major emphasis on the Holy Spirit, right? And, and just looking at Acts, we'll see it when we get down to verse 24 here, when they choose that successor to, to Judas. Who chooses it, right? Peter comes up. He, he remembers Scripture that Jesus told them. That Jesus teaches them scripture. We'll talk about that in, in the second division. But he says, we've got to replace Judas. But they don't decide. They don't say, well, what do you think? What do you think? No, the Lord decides. They cast lots. The Lord decides. When Peter explains in chapter 2, when the, when the Pentecost comes and the Holy Spirit does come and the, the tongue thing is going on, Peter says, it's, it's, it wasn't us. It was Jesus who did it. Jesus is the one who explains the tongue thing. When the early church is growing, and it always says, and it it grew by numbers, it grew by numbers, but it says the Lord was adding to the numbers. Again, it wasn't the men. When Peter was, or I'm sorry, when Paul was converted, it's pretty obvious who knocked him down, Jesus, right? And then who told Ananias to open the eyes of Paul? It was Jesus. So throughout the book, we, we see it that it's God in charge. It's God, the Holy Spirit in charge. It's not these men in charge and we even even going through the book of acts to if you if you wanted to get a main character out of say the first nine chapters if you were going to pick a a person it would probably be peter but then all of a sudden in chapter nine peter kind of just fades away it don't tell us why or why why they don't talk about him no more why luke don't write about him no more he just fades away then paul kind of picks it up throughout the the rest through through uh, chapter 28 but again, he gets to Rome, and it just kind of fades off, off with him. It's all about the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit and the work that the Holy Spirit's doing. That's what the book of Acts is about. Again, instruments being used. So it was all the men and women that brought Christ's church to what it is under the power of the Holy Spirit. So these first eight verses, again, uh, the big truth I get out of this and I, I hope you will. I'll try to explain where I got this. It says, I put down, wait on the Lord because you can't do it alone. Wait on the Lord because you can't do it alone. And God provides this, this power, the Holy Spirit, in order for us to follow his instructions, right? So we got to know and understand and trust Jesus' last words. Where he's telling the apostles to wait on that Holy Spirit. And we talk about last words and their you know, they're so important. And a lot of us probably can remember last words of some famous people or, or even people we might have personal relationships with. I can remember the last words of my mother-in-law when she was, the day she passed, she, we were in the hospital room and she, uh, she asked everyone to leave except me. And I was, of course, kind of nervous. And then she, she, she was very weak. She couldn't speak loud. And she pulls me down close to her and she says, take care of my baby. I don't, I don't know, I'll never forget that. Think of, uh, think of Todd Beamer from that United flight, 93, on 
his last words were, you guys ready, let's roll. I don't know, I just remember that. Uh, Of course, everyone should remember the last words of Jesus on the cross. What was it? It is finished. So we remember last words, but these last words Jesus leaves us with here is to wait on the Holy Spirit. He talks in Luke 24, going back to the gospel. He says, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets as the Psalms must be fulfilled, and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand scriptures, and he said to them, this is written that Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these of these things, and behold, I am sending the promise of the Father upon you, but stay in the city until you're clothed with the power from high. So don't do nothing until I equip you, until I equip you with that Holy Spirit. And again, then in Acts 1.8, they're reminded again, don't do nothing until you're equipped with this Holy Spirit. So waiting is, is where I, what I got here. Wait on the Lord. You can't do it yourself. But waiting on the Lord requires a lot of patience. It requires trust. You're showing that you trust God when, you, when you're waiting on God. And when should I wait on God? And what, what situation should I wait on God? And I I would have to say everything and in my relationships, in my finances, in my work, in my school. I should always be seeking God's, God's, God's wisdom and waiting for that answer. It says in uh, Psalms 130, the psalmist says in verses 5 and 6, I wait for the Lord. My soul waits and in, and in his word I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than the watchman for the morning. And if you know what the watchman is in those days, the watchman would be excuse me, watching all night. So the watchman is on guard. He, he waits till morning looking for enemies. He's on alert. He's, he's, if something does happen, he springs up and takes care of it. But if nothing happens, all he can do is wait till morning. He can never change when the sun's going to rise up. It's only God that can do that. So he's, he's on God's time. And that's how we need to be. We need to be like a watchman waiting for God, right? Being, being on guard. And when God gives us that answer or God gives us direction, we need to spring up and go. But not doing it on our own. God's timing is the best. And we could be reminded of some, some consequences when, when we don't wait on God's timing. You know, blessings could be denied or delayed. It can cause a lot of pain and suffering. We look at 1 Samuel 13 when Saul offers the, the unofficial sacrifice before battle. And what happens? He loses his kingship over it. We look at, at 2 Samuel 11, the David and Bathsheba incident. How it just snowballed into sin and what happened. A lot of people were were hurt by it. Even death came from it. Genesis 16, Abraham. Abraham and Sarah not waiting for God's promised child. We'll take care of this on our own. What happens? Ishmael is born. A lot of jealousy, division. 
Uh, again, separation. They're sent off and to, really to die. So a lot of bad things happen when we don't wait on God and don't go according to his, his timing. So again, when do we want to wait? When do we want to seek God's assistance? I, uh, as I said, in every sense. But we ask God for something, and, and how do we know he answers us? I never get a text back from God. And we want instant gratification. Well, God, how do I go in this direction? And we want him to answer us now, but it's on his timing. In a couple of ways, I, I came up with that, that we can know God is answering us, is we got to first surrender our personal desires. And what I mean by this is you got to understand that God's answer may not be yours. Sometimes we get... We have our, our notion. We know what God, where we want God to answer us. So we're basically asking God to say, yeah, you're good with your idea. But to surrender our personal desires mean we don't have a final outcome for, for whatever we're praying to God for. We leave it totally up to God, and we're willing to accept whatever answer he gives us. And so a reminder would be for to understand that it's not going to always be our way. We may not like it. Other people may not like it. Sometimes we want to be people pleasers where everybody's going to be happy, but that's not always going to be the case. And I go to Galatians 1.10. Paul says this. He says, for, for am I now seeking the approval of man or God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. But my point here is we gotta we gotta not have our own agenda in trying to bring God to what we think. We gotta let it, leave it all up to God. Point number two: How we can get our answer from God? We gotta meditate on God's word. We gotta know God. We we gotta get into the word. Reading Scripture is how we get to know God. That's how he 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 reveals himself to us through Scripture. We learn his character. We learn who he is. We can compare what we're doing. Does it match with scripture? Does it contradict scripture? That can help us with, with how God is answering us. And number three should be the easy one. Anything you want direction on, what would you do? If you want a direction from me, you would come and ask me. So ask God. Pray to him. And it kind of goes with scripture. That's how you get to know God. You, you read his word. He reveals himself to us through that, and, and we have a relationship with God through prayer. And then number four would be seek others' advice. Talk to other people that you can trust. And, you know, be open about it, and maybe they'll tell you, like, well, God maybe is giving you an answer because you're just stuck on this. Maybe God's telling you you need to be here. But seek others' advice. Be open about where, 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 you're, where you're going, what you're asking God for. It says, Proverbs 15, 22 says, Without counsel, plans fail, but with many advisors, they succeed. So waiting on God and God's timing is important. It's something we should, we should practice, but it's got to be on God's timing again. Too often, and, and I'm guilty of it, we, we ask God for direction, and we don't give him the time that, that he wants to answer us. And we don't do the due diligence to really seek his answer because we already know what we want. So let's go to these, uh, these 
Next verse is 9 through 26. Don't just stand there. And this is where Jesus is, uh, ascension to heaven, his promised return. The apostles do what they're told. They, they go back and they pray until the Holy Spirit comes. So starting with verse 9, it says uh, he's lifted up again, taken into the clouds. And again, this is important. Again, it just once again uh, um, solidifies that he is the Son of God. He is alive. He's going up to heaven where he belongs. And then 10 and 11, as they look up, these two men in, in white robes appear, probably angels. And they're kind of asking the guys, what are you looking at? Why are you staring up in the sky? Jesus has already instructed you. They get it. And, and what do they do? They, uh, they go back. That's where 12 through, um, 12 through 14 come in. That's where the don't just stand there comes in for me. I, I say, don't just stand there. Jesus told you what to do. And they do it. They go back and they're praying. It says they go into Jerusalem as instructed by Jesus and they pray as instructed by Jesus. So this was, uh, again, all under the instruction of Jesus, not their idea. Luke eleven thirteen says this. So if you sinful people know how to give, give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. So it, even before this, Jesus was, was teaching them and telling them about the Holy Spirit. This is in the Gospel of Luke, and now here in Acts, before his ascension, again, he's given them that same instruction. And then 15 through 20, this is where Peter, the fisherman, and, you know, this is encouraging because just a, a regular instrument, just like any of us, Peter stands up and, and he says, hey, we got to replace Judas because scripture says it. And he, he refers to that psalm. And, it, and again, we read, I'll read it again, Luke, Luke 24, where it says, in 24, 27, it says, then, then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets explaining all the scriptures and things concerning himself. So they, they were taught by Jesus. They were with Jesus for three years. And this, this now rings a bell with Peter like, hey, we got to replace him. And so he stands up. He says, we got to replace him, 21 and 22. He says, it needs to be somebody that was there from the baptism to the resurrection that witnessed this. And then 23 through 26, it ends up, you know, they cast lots. And, and Matthias was, uh, was the chosen one. Again, chosen by who? By God. They cast lots, and that was the law then before the Holy Spirit came. If you go to chapter 6, I think it is, is when Stephen was chosen by them. They had the Holy Spirit then. And then later, Paul is chosen. Now, none of them would have chosen Paul, but Jesus chose Paul. So, in this, uh, in this, this last verses here, in this section, again, we could see that aim. Jesus continuing his work building it up slow here in this first chapter, continuing his work on earth through the power of the Spirit, using believers as instruments. But my principle here in the second one, or my, my truth that I get out of this, is that Jesus will return, right? He went up, and, and those, those angels or those men in white said he's going to come down, and, and he said it through Scripture. He will return, so don't be standing there doing nothing when he does. Believers in Christ should continually be preparing for Christ's return. 
We need to keep working. We have work to do. We don't want to get lazy. We don't want to be caught gazing off into the sky. And I, I don't mean that literally. What I mean it is in our Christian walk. We don't want to be lazy. We don't want to think, well, I'm saved. And we are. We're saved by faith, and he'll never let us go. But we don't want to be lackadaisical in our faith. Because Matthew 24, because, uh, but, but about that day or hour, no one knows. Not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. So we should always be looking, expecting, and, and hoping that one day he comes we should be ready for his return. And I don't know how many times or how often you think about, what if, what if he came? What if he came today? What if he came right now? It might be kind of neat. We're all in church worshiping him. But what if he comes tomorrow? Well, what are you going to be doing tomorrow? Where are you going to be at tomorrow in your walk? Where are you going to be at physically? Are you in a place where, where you're good with Jesus? You think he'd be happy with where you're at? Where do you think he wants you to be? And in your walk, we all have refining, I'm sure we could do, right? What can I refine in my walk? What would Jesus like me to do differently or would like me to add on to my walk? Does he want me to study scripture more? Does he want me to join that Bible study that I keep pushing off? Where would Jesus like me to, to refine my, my walk a little more so that the Holy Spirit is more ready to jump up when he calls me so that I do understand more when he's given me direction. So we can get caught gazing when we get lazy with our Christian walk. We can't lose our salvation, but we can be lazy about it. So we need to, to move, right? We need to, we're different people now. Anyone who's in Christ, it says in 2 Corinthians 5.17, anyone is if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, the new is here. So we're different when we're in Christ, and we've got to act like it. So how are you using that power? Are you just setting it aside, the power of that Holy Spirit? Are you using it in, in some good way that, that Christ has intended for you? So this sequel, again, continues. The sequel of, that, that Luke wrote of the book of Acts and the establishment of Christ's church. It continues under the direction of our head of our church, Jesus Christ. But we got to know our part and we got to play our part well. And there will be a third sequel. Well, I guess sequels too. There will be a third part and it's going to be a breeze for some. Those who are in, have Jesus as their Lord and Savior, that's going to be an easy one. But there's also going to be a bad one for, for those who don't know Jesus. It's going to be an eternal chapter 3, I guess you would say, of, of the three parts of, of, of God's plan, of God's um, world, if you want to say. And that part that those that don't understand that, that whole story of Jesus coming in in the gospel story where Jesus came in and took all the sins for you and me, and took him to the cross. Because we know that God is a just God, that all sins must be paid for. We can't do it on our own. We can't be made right without, without, with God without Jesus, without the work that he did. And until we come to faith and understand that, we're not going to have a, a third series. The third series is not going to be good for us. 
So if you haven't come to Jesus, if you haven't, if you don't believe and don't understand what the cross is all about and how the resurrection means we will one day be with him, if you don't understand that, I would say before you continue on with the book of Acts, go back to the Gospels. Because that's where, that's where you got to be before you, you go to Luke's sequel here in, 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 the, in the book of Acts. But it's important to first understand who Jesus is and the importance of why we need him before we understand how and why he's establishing the church then and today. Amen? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear God, we, again, we thank you for your word. And we just ask, Lord, for, for you to give us patience, for you to give us understanding uh, when, we, when we seek you out. Let us know that you will answer. Let us know that you, you love us. Give us patience to wait for your answer, Lord. Give us courage, Lord, to, to move, to not just be staring off into the sky, but to be intentional about serving you and be ready when you call us. Lord, we, uh, we again thank you and, and we, uh, we pray all this in our King, our Savior's name, Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Now let's...